0: Father, we just want to thank you once again for this time. Lord, the entrance of your word brings light. Therefore, this morning, unfold your word. Even if you have heard so many things so many times, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would reinforce the things that we have already learned, that you would strengthen us, that you would bring to remembrance, that, Lord, that we will build ourselves on the most holy faith. And Lord. That our minds will be transformed. Our wills will be softened. And Lord. Our hearts O oh Lord. Will be stayed on you. To that end I pray that you would bless. Anoint. The speaking and the meditation. Of today's word. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus name. Amen. Last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we've heard so many things, but I just want to continue on that topic. I want to ask a question to all of us, am I a son of the resurrection? What does that mean? What does it mean to be a son of the resurrection? We want to look at that. It's a joke, not a joke. I mean, it's um, something that happened to a man of God. Like pastor says, you know, every funeral, every wedding is not for the couple most of the times. And funerals are not for the people who are dead. It is an opportunity to share the word of God for those people who have do not know the word. And uh, one man of God was invited to a memorial service of one of the church members where he visits and, uh, the children were insisting that he should come and uh, preach during the funeral. And, uh, he was not sure about the man who died, whether he was really saved or not. And in fact, uh, he kind of inquired from some of the men of God who were there, whom he worked along with and inquired about this guy who passed away. And, uh, he asked him what kind of a guy was he, was he saved? And he said, no, 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 this guy was a drunkard and he used to beat up his wife. He was a very violent fellow, um, But uh, somehow he used to give a lot of money to the church, and I think um, there's some issue over there. But we are not sure. But we know his character. I'm not sure whether he's really saved or not. So now this guy, I mean, this man of God was invited to preach at his funeral, and he doesn't know what what to say. Now uh, he say he would not say, you know, uh, our brother, etc., etc. He said, "Lord, what should I what should I say? Where I should not compromise on your word. I should not give false assurance to people." That you can live any life that you have, uh, that you want to live, and ultimately you will reach the other side. So he asked the Lord, "What should, what should, what is the word that I should speak? Can you just give me one line, Lord?" And the Lord gave him a line: "Just tell this man entered into eternity. That's all." No that can mean anything no <laughs> eternity in hell or or heaven, so if they don't know the word, uh, they say, oh, praise the Lord and everybody when he, when he made that statement and his entire family was said, "Praise the Lord, hallelujah, Our father entered into eternity. Now, the point is that we will all enter into eternity, but how are we going to enter in we want to we will be uh, l- uh living. How I mean, how we live our lives on this side after we are born again, as stars differ in glory, so also you will be during the resurrection. so what kind of a resurrection will we have first of all, will we be having the resurrection of the people who will enter into eternity with God is something which we need to ask ourselves constantly. Christianity is based upon this in first Corinthians chapter fifteen is based upon the gospel is based upon. Three important historical facts. Three important historical facts. This is not subjective uh, uh, experiences of people. It is not ideologies of, of people. It is based upon three irrefutable historical events. And that is uh, what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read those verses. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Okay, this gospel which saves you, excuse me, okay, this gospel which saves you, is a, is if you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And what is that word? It says, for I deliver to you first, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died, he doesn't say full, full stop, for our sins, oh, no, when we read it, we 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 make make it um, personal. For Christ died for my sins. He was buried. So uh, Christ died for my sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and he was seen of Cephas, that is Peter, and then by the twelve. So very specific, three irrefutable facts. Christ died, can be checked by history, on the cross, okay, for my sin. Second, he was buried in a, in a tomb, which was not his, was borrowed tomb, because he didn't want it. He will not waste money, because he's going to eventually give it back to the person who owns the tomb. So he borrowed a tomb for three days, and then on a third day, he rose again. And it all was attested by scriptures first, and also by eyewitness accounts. 500 people to whom Jesus appeared after the resurrection. And he spoke to them, and he revealed himself to them, uh, and especially to the disciples. So this is the gospel which saves us. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2 will say, for by grace you have been saved. For for by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith in what? In a person, and also on the gospel. The gospel which has been attested by the scriptures and attested by eyewitness accounts. And what are you saved with? What is the gospel in a sense? It says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is how you are saved. By grace you are saved. Yes, but why are you saved? Because you heard and believed the gospel. What is the gospel? That God Raised rose Jesus Christ from the dead, and if you believe it from your heart, you will be saved. And just as Bible says, just as God rose Jesus Christ from the dead, if the same Spirit that was that that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us, He will also one day raise us up from the dead. Jesus is the first fruit of all the creation of the second creation, the second unfallen creation, and we will be. In his likeness. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter twenty, from which from where I I I I I, I, uh, uh, derived this term. Am I a son of the resurrection? Look at. Let's read a few verses from Luke's Gospel, chapter twenty, and verse twenty-seven onwards. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. You see, if there is no resurrection, Christianity is gone. Okay. If Jesus died and did not rise. We are not justified, and we know, last, like last time we've heard, we are still in our sins, our faith is vain, our witnessing is vain, our preaching is vain, we might as well shut down and just go home. And eat, drink and enjoy, because tomorrow, tomorrow we die. Okay, There's no meaning. Some of the Sadducees who, who, who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. They had a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us. And by the way, this particular uh, episode is mentioned in all three Gospels. But I'm looking from Gospel according to Luke because I want to draw something very, very specific from here. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brothers. Now, there were seven brothers. Hypothetical situation. The first one married a woman and died childless. This is an NIV translation. Okay. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the the woman also died. Now then at the resurrection, (laughs) whose wife will she be? Since the seven were married to her. I mean, uh, it's the the thought that they'll uh, trick Jesus with a question. Oh, I mean, you can't trick him. Okay. And then, of course, Jesus comes with this fired-up answer. Look at what he says. In other go- Gospels, you will see, uh, Jesus makes an Im- Im- important statement. He says, you err, you are deceived, because you do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. But here, he mentions something very specific, and that is, that is what I want to look at today. Luke's Gospel, chapter 20, look at how he answers the Sadducees, and that is from where uh, I want to draw today's teaching. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry Okay, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age This is this is by the by the way, the word for age is time. Okay, it's a it's a it's a um it's an it's a word which uh which represents time. That age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. I mean, what, what does it mean? So, you mean to say that if I have to be a person who's uh, going to attain the resurrection, that uh, I should not be married? He's not saying that. No, when he's, when he's saying marriage and are given in marriage, he's talking about marriage has meaning only marriage between a man and a woman is, is between a man and a woman only in this age, only in this life. In the life to come, there is no marriage. And this particular marriage is only a preparation for another marriage. It's a mystery. If you if you want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, if you've been uh, following the wedding messages, I would really encourage you to do that. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Look at what he says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But what am I speaking of? I'm speaking of Christ and his church. So marriage, in a sense, when he's, when he's talking about marriage, he's saying... he's talking about this earthly construct about marriage, not a divine idea about marriage. So we go back to Luke's gospel chapter 20. So the children of the resurrection, sorry, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. That means their mind is not on this side. They're not thinking about earthly things. Something else has happened to them. Look at what it says in Luke's gospel chapter 20. Fantastic verse. You can underline it in your Bible. So many things are mentioned by Dr. Luke. Luke's, Luke's gospel chapter 20 and verse 36. Nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels. And are sons of God. And are what? Sons of the resurrection. Yes. Okay. They are sons of God. And sons of the resurrection. And then he says, But even... Moses showed in the burning bush passage, passage that the dead are raised when the Lord God called him, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for he is not the God of the living, or God of the dead, but of the living, for all are alive to him, in other translations, okay, all are alive, whether you are dead or, or, or alive, you are alive to him, both the rich man and the Lazarus, and Lazarus were alive in, in that sense. So, just want to make a very important observation if i am the son of the resurrection or sorry if i am the son of god born again um, born of the spirit etc what am i i am a son of resurrection and i am no longer of the son of this age okay i am not a son of this age i am the son of the, of the resurrection because i am born of god okay right remember that song born of the spirit with life from above Into God's family divine. Remember? Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made. When as a sinner I came, took off the offer of grace, did he proffer? He saved me. Oh, praises, dear name. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. See, that one, at that moment, You, when you believed you became a son of God, what did you become? You also became a son of the resurrection, and you you are no longer, what? Son of this age. Son of this age. Who is the son of this age? So, what is to be a son of the resurrection? So, let us read it. Uh, Let us uh, read a few more scriptures to understand what this means, and we'll look at at a type in the old covenant of the son of the resurrection. Romans chapter 1. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, this is verse 3. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, okay, and declared to be the what? The son of God, with power, according to the spirit of holiness. How? When he was raised from the dead. So, what does it mean? <clears throat> Two verses, one has to look at. 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45 and then verse 47. And so it was written, the first man Adam became a living being or a living soul. And the last Adam, the first Adam and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That is verse 45. And what is verse 47? Look at what it says. The first man, that is Adam, was of the earth made of dust. The second man, is the Lord from heaven. Now look at this. Jesus is called the last Adam and the second man. Last Adam, in that last Adam, he identified himself with the rebellion of Adam, with the sin of Adam, with the curses that came because of Adam's rebellion and his sin on his his fall. He identified himself completely and he died for the entire human, human race, for the sin of the entire human race. And when he rose from the dead, he became not the last Adam anymore, he became the what? The second man. And who is the second man? Second man is the new creation, he is now the pioneer, if you will, of a new race of man, which is not a living soul anymore, it is a life-giving spirit, it is of the spirit. And how did this happen to all of us? To all of us, we also became a type of the second man when something happened to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy, what did he do? Has begotten us again. He ca- caused us to be born again, in other translations, to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he became the second man and all those who are in Christ Jesus become a type of the second man. They are no longer of Adam. They are no longer in Adam. They are in Christ Jesus, the second man, uh, the pioneer or the prep, uh, and, the, and the one who's propagating this new race, which is from above. That is the reason why the Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus tells Nicodemus, unless a man is born from what? Above, he cannot see. Unless a man is born of the spirit and of the water, he cannot enter. Okay, so it is absolutely imperative. Imperative, imperative. So in many many ways, when we are coming to study the word of God, we are asking ourselves and 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 assuring ourselves we're coming to an assurance whether we are truly born again, and if you're truly born again, what are the implications and the symptoms of a man or a woman who is born again, who is born from above, who has got this new life that he has received when he repented of his sins and he put his faith on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? What kind of a man he becomes? And whether those signs of life are indeed present in us, so that we know that we are truly of the second man and not of Adam. Okay? That is something which we need to always be uh, making ourselves assured of. Making our calling and our election sure. That is the reason why in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is he? He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if I am a son of God, I am a son of resurrection and I'm no longer a son of this age. Understand this. So what did Jesus Christ do? Therefore, what did he do on the cross? How did he deliver us? Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 1 for us to understand. Put this in perspective a little more. Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 grace to you and peace from god the father and our lord jesus christ who gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this what present evil age age is a time this age according to the will of our of our god and father to him to him be glory forever and ever so when we were born again something happened to us what happened hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened so we were enlightened when we were born again we tasted the heavenly gift, became partakers of the Holy Spirit, we tasted the good word, and we became what? Tasted the powers of the age to come. So when we were enlightened. So what happened when we were enlightened? When we were enlightened, our eyes were opened. Who blinded our eyes? Who blinded our eyes? Look at the specific words that Apostle Paul uses to, the, to describe the person who blinded our eyes so that we could be enlightened so that we cannot be enlightened. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, the who? The God of this age. You see that again? God of this age has blinded the minds of those who cannot believe, lest the light of the gospel should shine in them. So, he delivered us from this present evil age. He enlightened us. So that, that means the blindness caused by the God of this age so that we should not see the glory of the gospel. He made us see and then he transmitted us into the kingdom of his son. So that we are no longer the sons of this age, but we can become sons of resurrection. Understand? Therefore, the sons of this age, what do they do? The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But the sons of those, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. What does that mean? And how do we understand this? How do we know? What does it mean to be not a son of this age? And if I am not a son of this age, and if I'm the son of God, what does it mean to be the son of the resurrection? What does it mean to to be a person who's... Uh, Who's the heir of the inheritance that is to come? How do I know? How do I know? We look at one example, Jesus' own words, and we look at that particular passage in the gospel, in the epistle to Hebrews, and see whether we are indeed of this age, or the son of the resurrection. Okay? Luke's gospel chapter 17. Notice this word, okay? The sons of this age, what are they? They marry, and are given in marriage. They're tied to this world, basically. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. And it was as it was in the days of Noah. So it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank. What did they do? They married wives, and they were given in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. So, like Pastor was saying, did Noah not marry? Did he not have sons? Did he not get wives for his sons? All that happened. But he was not a part of this generation. 27. Again, Matthew chapter 24. But as in the days of Noah, so also will be the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and what? Giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So we look at Noah. You see, the more you study Noah, you can't exhaust. I mean, I think any part of scripture which is potent, you cannot exhaust it. You'll keep studying it till eternity. Okay. When I look at Hebrews chapter 11 and look at Noah, how he escaped that age. That age. And he became a son of resurrection. A type of a believer in the old covenant. A type of a new covenant believer who escaped the corruption that was in the world who escaped being the son of that age and he became the son of the resurrection because he became the son of God by faith. He's a type of a believer or an overcomer. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11 and let's draw how many lessons? Seven, okay. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly f- f- uh, fear, prepare an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is what? According to faith. So there are seven attributes, if you will, of the son of the resurrection in this particular passage. One verse, seven attributes. I'm going to just enumerate them and we'll check ourselves whether we have these attributes. Then we will know whether we are what? Truly sons of resurrection. Okay. So let us look at the attributes, the namuna, the type. The pattern, son of resurrection, in the old covenant. Okay, a man just like us, a man who was perfect and blameless in his generation, a man who found grace in the sight of the Lord, who walked with Lord, who was unjust and he was perfect, he was complete, he was blameless in his generations. Look at what it says about this man. So many, several things. And I just want to split them into seven attributes of a man who's ready to be a son of resurrection. Okay, so let's read that. First. By faith, Noah. Right? Second, he was warned by God. Third, he saw the unseen. Fourth, he was moved with godly fear. Fifth, he prepared an ark. Sixth, he condemned the world. Seventh, he became an heir. seven. He was perfect in generations, right? Seven things you will find. Let's read that again. Okay, he was by faith Noah. He was warned by God, saw the unseen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark, condemned the world, became an heir. So this is the algorithm <laughs> to to see and check ourselves. You see, when they write a software, they have testing programs <laughs> to see whether the software is really, really indeed working or not. <laughs> so the first thing, by faith Noah, he was warned by God, saw the unseen. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark. Condemned the world. And then what did he do? He became an heir. Several things. And therefore, you know, it says a type of resurrection. After that, it says the meek will inherit the earth, right? The meek will inherit. Ultimately, he was the one who inherited the entire earth. He became the heir. He became the son of the resurrection. The entire old world was completely gone. And this was one man who came through judgment along with his household. So... Parents, the only people whom we can take along with us onto the other side is the precious souls that God has entrusted into our hands. So it is absolutely imperative for us to have this particular assurance that Nova that we are truly indeed sons of resurrection. Let's read the first one. Let's understand what does it mean by faith, Noah. No, we know faith. We heard so many things about faith. What? So what is in in connection with being a person who is not a son of this age, and to be worthy to be called a son of the resurrection? What is the connection between faith and being a son of the resurrection? Let us see. How does faith come? Everybody knows this. Okay, you should quote from memory. Please, yeah, ten seventeen 17, Romans. JTC, other one. So then faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Good. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The word for word of God here is Rema, the living word. The the revelatory word. The word which is for that particular time. Hmm? So faith comes by that. So man, Noah was a man of faith. That means what? He was in a place where he was hearing. He had an attitude and a sensitive spirit which could hear the voice of God. That is how faith faith gets generated. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word, Hearing the word of God. The living word of God. So that means what? Noah through his life practiced the life. Practiced the life of righteousness. Practiced the life of obedience. Practiced the life of holiness. Practiced the life of blamelessness. So that he could have the sensitivity to hearing the voice of God. God is speaking. Everybody is here. Is everybody hearing? No, it's it's very interesting. It says, "Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what what the Spirit says to the who." Uh huh. You see, you don't read the complete verse. <laughs> again, again, let let he who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, if you are not a part of the church, you'll not hear. Basically, that's the idea. Okay. Don't be a people who will forsake the assembling of the saints. Okay. Now let's read on. So what should be the preparation of a man of God so that he will not be a son of this age? So that he will continuously develop this discipline of hearing the voice of God through every preaching. You see, I think Zach Poonan was the one who was, when he was teaching on Genesis, he says, day one, God spoke. Day two, God spoke. (laughs) Day three, God spoke day four. God is speaking what? Virtually every day. But is everybody hearing? And whenever he speaks, something happens. Hmm? Every day he's is speaking. So we know in our church, we have, every day we have service. Sometimes recorded ones. So are we hearing? Every day God speaks. Are we hearing? How do we come to the point where we are so sensitive, we know that God has spoken to us and that generates faith in our lives. Let's see. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. Now, in the 15th year, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip being the t- uh, tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Trachonitis, and Lyssinus tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came where? Okay, the word of God. You see, it's like this, no? <clears throat> I have a mobile phone. There is Airtel all around. And there could be some hutch wherever you follow, go, network follows. But for the network to come to me, what should I have inside? Ah, thank you, sim. If there is no sim, there is no connection. There's something inside of me which is sensitive to the waves so that I can receive those, receive those waves. Okay. And sometimes uh, when you're closer to the tower, the strength is strong. When you go away and away from the tower, A lot of people, they go away and away, away and away from God. And they're like the cell phone now, they're just doing this and this and this and this to to see if uh, if they're getting the network. And then after after a while, they get ah they say, oh, uh, I can hear now. After a while, you know what happens? Slowly they go away and away and one day, no network anymore. Anusandhanam is gone. There's no connection anymore. They become like Saul. I mean, unbelievable. I want to hear. He can't hear. He's like Eli. Samuel is hearing. <laughs> Eli can't. <laughs> See. Unbelievable. God speaks to Saul, I mean, sorry, God speaks to David even when he was in, in his, in his completely, I mean, he's come to the, uh, like he's come to one of the rock bottom stages in his life. He still hears. Saul comes to also to the rock bottom stage in his life. But he can't hear. See, what is that? What is the practice that we need to have to escape, my dear brothers and sisters, especially young people? I'm telling you, telling you, right from childhood, like Samuel, be sensitive to the obediences of, 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 of little little obediences in your own home. Listen to the voice of your parents. One day, if they are godly parents, listen to them. Obey them. So one day when God calls you, you will be able to hear his voice. Because it's the word of God says, my sheep what? Hear my voice. So, the word of God came to John. Where? He was in the wilderness. Wilderness is a place where you are prepared. It's a a process of discipline that you have gone through. So that you come to a point in your life where you hear the voice of God. See A lot of people they come to the end of the end of themselves, but it, not everybody hears. God, through different different situations in your life, makes you come to a point in your life where you say, "What is going on in your life?" Then God says, "Now I want to speak to you. Start hearing. It's a wilderness. He cuts yourself, cuts, your, cut, cuts you off from every other influence so that he can speak clearly to you. And what happens after that? He goes out preaching. Why? Because he heard. That is the reason why in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, uh, the way he overcomes the enemy, he says, it is written, man shall, Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word, rima, that comes from the mouth of God. How do you get this rima? Let me tell you, it is in the, through the wilderness. What is wilderness? It is when you have all the other distractions are cut off. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. And you shall remember, the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years where? In the wilderness. To humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Then what did he do? He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna. That you might know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You see that? You just not everybody hears. Why? Because they have never ever taken away all the distractions. Wilderness is a place of suffering where you have cut away from your flesh. That's, that's exactly the reason why um, it's, it says about John, John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness of Judea until he was revealed to the to Israel. And what was his food? Locusts and Wild honey, and what is his clothing? Camel's hair. That is what we call, I mean, it's, it's a picture of a man who is complete, he's disciplined his life. So they can hear the voice of God. Okay. By faith, Noah. Faith comes by hearing. And what word? The living word. Not just logos. Everybody reads the word of God, like yesterday Pastor was saying. Everybody comes to church and everybody listens to the word. No, not, not everybody has faith. Because they're not, they're not hearing the voice of God. Wilderness is a place where you hear, where all the other distractions are cut off. You're humble. You've come to the place where, now you say, Lord, I want to hear. You've come to a place where you do not answer back anymore. Of course, this is not talking to the generation which perished. This, uh, this is He's talking to the generation which is going to inherit the promised land. That is what Deuteronomy is all about. So he says in verse 4, he says, your garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell. So he's saying, you know what? I took care of you. Basic needs I took care. Mm-hmm. At least something, no? We don't need much comforts. All of us have ACs over here. It's Fantastic, great. I mean, honestly, no. How many of you, when you were growing up in India, had ACs when you were children? Anybody? None. No. AC <laughs> like It's wilderness, like you, for you now. Huh? No? To care of the basic needs. Okay, that's what God did to Elijah also. What did He do? Go to Kyriath. I'll take care of you. Two meals in a day. That's it. Go to Zarephath. I'll take care of you. Hmm. I'll take care of your basic needs. But the most important thing is what? For you to what? Hear my voice. Hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 5. You shall know in your heart that as man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. So how do you hear the voice of God? Only when you go through what? Chastening. What is it? Chasen. And one of the ways he chastened them, he did not feed them. Right? How do our parents also sometimes chasten us? Aaj, to a foot cut for you. And what do you say? Oh Wicked parents? No, no, thank God for such parents. Because you learned. can you imagine, can you imagine being a disciple of Elijah? Okay, now think about it, no? A man who is in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Elisha is following Elijah. That is his clothing. Do you think Elijah is going to take Elisha shopping to Westside and say, brother, (laughs) what do you want to buy here now? No! Raymonds, no! No! He is living a lifestyle of fasting. What is Elisha going to have? Three meals a day? No fasting! Sir, today no food. God asked me to fast. So what are you going to do, Elisha? No nope, option but to fast. You, need, you know why? This man, Elisha, I'm telling you, you no. Know, I love Elisha because he completely surrendered to a man who was surrendered to God. I don't know which is easy. And then he asked this, he says, my father, my father. I mean, that's Powerful word. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. If you are the horseman, what am I then? I'm the horse. You rode me, you disciplined me. You see. What are we? Do we alive? God to chair. That is the reason why it's very important. See, we are a distracted generation. We cannot hear the voice of God. Why does the voice of God not reach us? Because we are distracted. We have not learned to deliberately focus. Sit in a place and focus on the things of God. We focus on the things which matter on this side of eternity. But not on the things which matter. I mean on this or the earth. Not the things which matter in eternity. Look at what Jesus has to say to one person who was distracted. We heard about that person last Sunday. Luke's Gospel chapter 10. And she had a sister called Mary... Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was what? Huh, what is that? Distracted with much serving. Like, know, so many pastors who are like all, the, they are in every place except in the secret closet of prayer, reading the word. For birthdays they are there. Anniversaries they are there. Engagements are there wedding anniversary is there, 50th of wedding anniversary they are there funeral day they are there, everyday they are there where are you studying, when are you studying then when are you studying when are you going to devote yourself you know what Paul says, devote yourself completely to the study of the word of God study to show yourself a prudent to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth, focus discipline of hearing It's all you know it doesn't happen in one day you cannot hear the voice of God unless you've practiced over a period of time to see, to listen to the voice of God and obey what you've already heard, so that it becomes even more sensitive. That voice becomes not familiar in the negative sense, but familiar. You, you know this is the voice. This is the Lord who's talking to you. Okay. Approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? You know what Jesus said. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but how many things are needed? One thing is needed. See that distractions you see we know we know uh, the the parable of the sower, right? look at what it says about the person uh, where the seeds fall on the thorny ground. this is Matthew chapter thirteen verse twenty two and the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. this is the one who hears the word, but the worries and distractions of the World, you know the word, actually the word is of this age. And the deceitfulness, or the, the, the amplified says, the superficial pleasures and delight of riches choke the word and yields what? No fruit. So you come on a Sunday morning, where is the word falling? If you distractions and you are concerned about so many things, where is, the, where is the word falling? It is falling on thorns and ultimately what will not come? There's no fruit. Mark's, Mark's gospel chapter four again. This is Mark's rendering of this. He says, and the others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who've heard the word, but the worries and the cares of the world. What are this? What is this world? The distractions of this age. That's the exact translation. With, with its worldly pleasures and the deceitfulness of wealth and the passionate desires for all other things. What do they do? Creep in. What do they do? You know, creep in, right? What do what what is what what do things creep into our homes? Snakes and lizards. Yeah, they creep in. Especially summer. I have overcome my fear of baby lizards. Okay. I I, I do intercontinental ballistic missiles like this. Now, how do I do? I just pour water on them and try to kill them, or try to chase them, and I've become successful also. I'm the most uh, uh, daring person in my home. Okay, so that much I have confidence in. Okay. Things that creep in. That is the reason why you know what, what are the, what do these do? They creep in slowly. The distractions, the pleasures, the concerns of this life without you knowing. Okay. Men. It's unbelievable, right? That is the reason why he says false brothers have crept in unawares into your into your churches. He says, "In Jude, they creep in." Ultimately, what you have, you have somebody like a Demas. Look at what it says about Demas. Second Timothy chapter four, verse ten. For Demas, what did he do? He deserted me, having loved this what? Present age. No, is Dimas not doing ministry anymore? We don't know. I I am believing that this is my 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 thought. Dimas is doing ministry. But where? Not a place where he has to be. He says, you know, traveling with this Paul every time, shipwreck, beaten. Trouble all the time. And somebody might have come and told, Demas, Demas, I have a proposal for you. Okay, there is a church which is opening up. If we need a pastor. This much of salary is guaranteed. Okay, Perks is there. She will be, still be doing the ministry. You know what Demas does? Oh, thank God. Great opportunity. God has opened this door to me, for me. Slowly, deserted me. It's like Lot. Walks with his, 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 his uncle. For several years now. And like Pastor said, he didn't want to take any risks. He wanted to settle down. He instigates a fight. It's my 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 theory. This is. You can you can have I mean I'm entitled to my opinion basically. Okay. He instigates this fight. I, I think it's Lot's wife who instigates the fight. Because he doesn't say remember Lot. It says what? Ah, remember Lot's wife. Ultimately she turned back. Sheen's tickets are fired. Like, what is this going all the time with your uncle? You have to settle down. Children, you have two daughters. Who's going to marry them? That's exactly what people tell me. Huh? What is going to happen to you? Two daughters. Two. Th- I know two daughters. You don't have to keep on <laughs> reminding me. Two daughters, who's going to take care of That's exactly what she wants. She also says, two daughters. You have to settle something for them. Make some money for them. This running around, what is going to happen to us? We have to settle down. See, what did, what did Dimas do? He deserted. Deserted. He deserted Paul. He doesn't mean, he doesn't say that he left the ministry. You know, he deserted. Now, so think about it, you know, this, if, if in 2020 hindsight now, 2022 hindsight, what a foolish decision. The epitaph on Dimas, tomb. He who deserted Paul. You can write whatever. <laughs> Like people writing, he fought the fight. He kept the no, 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 no. Demas deserted. Understand? And what happened to John? The John the Baptist was a person who heard the voice of God, the rema of God, faith that comes from hearing, and that strengthened him. What strengthens you is faith, my dear brothers. Faith that strengthens you, that prepares you for the days that are ahead. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Read, shaken by the wind? No way. This man is not shaken easily. He cannot be shaken. Why? Because he's strong in faith now. surely I say to you, among those who are born of women, there is not one risen, one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Understand this. So in the days to come, if we have to face the world, what we have to be strong in, strong in faith. And how does faith come? By hearing and obeying. Hearing the living voice of God. How do you hear the voice of God? How powerful, how sensitive are you to the voice of God? How does he speak to you? Do you discuss it with your own friends? Among, in in your peer group, even in your families, when you, when you finish listening to the word, did you say and talk to each other about what is happening? What we heard already. Yesterday, we were driving back home after we we finished the service. I was asking Justin, what do you, what do you think? The one thing you think that I need as a husband to change. She told me something, which I'm not going to say. You see, you need to become sensitive. Huh? Look at what it says about the Apostle John in John chapter 1 verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island of Patmos called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And what what did I hear? I heard the voice of God like a what? Like a trumpet. And what is the key? He was how on the Lord's day? In the spirit. In Telugu, it's very interesting. Atma Vashodu, meaning what? He was under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. His life was completely under the control, under the influence, under being the under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what happened to him? He's listening and hearing the voice of God like a what? Like a trumpet. And what is how does faith come? Faith, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So if you do not, if you neglect this, you know what happens over a period of time? This is what happens to. This is exactly what happened to Saul and it will happen to any one of us and one of the dangerous examples in the Bible which I always, always fear the most for myself and for everybody else. Lord, keep me because in the Bible you have to take warnings from people who have failed and don't repeat those mistakes. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 29 and verse 6. So Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer Either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Finished. Over. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium. Can you imagine? Lord, I am not hearing your voice. Lord, Lord, what happened to me? Lord, please can you tell me what is wrong with me? Lord, nothing. I want to hear. Somehow. I don't have patience. I have to hear. I have to get a solution to my problem. It doesn't matter now. Get me a medium. Find me a medium. Understand us. So what, which category do we belong to? Do we, are we like that? Do we have that kind of a faith where we hear the voice of God? Are we growing in hearing the voice of God? Does God speak to us, shows us when he God speaking to us, meaning what he's showing us, telling us these are the areas that you need to change. He specifically points out areas in our life that need to be changed. Repent of, put our faith in Jesus Christ and continue to walk with the Lord. That is what we are talking about faith. And then when we hear and he will show us the th- uh, in the days to come the things that are ahead second first thing he was a man who was a man who was hearing from god second he was being what divinely what he was warned of god what is what does it what is warning me warning whenever you l- l- look at the word warn do you want to do what a killer i'm warning you but don't do this so that i will i want to what protect Warning means what? To protect. Sin is crouching at the door. And his desire is for you. But you should master it. Who is is saying this to whom? God is saying directly to Cain. Both of them them came, came to church. Cain and Abel. Both of them came to church. God spoke to Abel. Gave him a fantastic commendation. God spoke to Cain too. Directly. Cain. Sin is crouching at the door, warning him, go and sin no more, otherwise something worse will happen to you. What did he do? I don't know. Go go and show yourself to the the high priest, he tells the person who is cleansed of leprosy. Go and show yourself to the high priest, but don't say this to anybody. What does he do? goes and says it to everybody. Woman, where are those people who condemn you? Nobody, Lord. I also don't condemn you. Full stop. No. <laughs> go and sin no more. Otherwise, he tells the man who was uh, who was healed when he was suffering with that disease for 38 years, he said, go and sin no more. Otherwise, what? Something worse will happen to you. It's a place of warning. It's a place of protection. Who needs warning the most? Children who children ignoring the most, what do we do don't do this don't do that don't go there don't 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 what's your name abigail don't that's my name that's what they ultimately think because the second name Abigail don't do this Abigail no, what does daddy tell you no that's what he says that's good why because uh like, I think one, one preacher was telling, you know, uh, be careful, okay? somebody, uh, somebody just might come and deceive you. And he told his father, no, dad, I can know people who deceive me. How will he know? He'll come and say, eh. Then I will know. No, the, the devil doesn't come and say, eh. He seduces us. Slowly. He deceives us. He comes as an angel of light. So we want to be playing a place of warning. So look at what it says about what does it mean to be in a place of warning? Matthew chapter two, verse nineteen onwards. Now then, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, "This is warning. Arise, take the young child. Who is this young child? Who is this young child? Jesus. So who needs protection? Oh no no. Let's. Who is this young child? Uh, who needs protection? I, I, you're not giving me the answer again. Okay. Who is this young child? Who needs protection? Jesus needs protection. And he would have thrown a tantrum and said, I want to stay back in Nazareth. Then they would say, okay, okay, let him stay back. What would have happened to huh? him? See that? Look at what it says again, Matthew chapter 2. That is the reason why it was 22. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being what? Warned by God in a dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee. He was protected. Is a place of protection. Church is a place of protection. Especially for people who are young in the Lord. They need to be protected. Need to be protected from false voices. False influences. Stay there in the gamut of the church. So that you're protected. Com- commit yourself to those people whom God has placed you under. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls and those who must give, as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be what? Unprofitable for you. It will be unprofitable. You know, the word for warning is very interesting. He was warned of God. You know what it means? Warning actually is a word which is used in finance, in the Greek. It's like, you know, invest in this stock. What will happen? You will get nice money. Don't invest in this stock. After a few days, it is going to collapse. That is warning. You will lo- You will lose in your life. So, it's, you know what he says? Obey those who have rule over you. Otherwise, it will be what? It will become what? Unprofitable for you unprofitable you will lose you will lose time you will lose money you will lose resources you will lose your energy you will lose your age and ultimately it says in Proverbs chapter 5 oh how I was foolish I did not obey the voice of my teachers and I came to utter ruin you know why because you disobeyed and disregarded the warnings of God and where was Noah he was in a place of warning he was a place of, in, where he was protected by God where he was instructed by God one the word for warning is also means to be instructed Hebrews chapter eight verse five. look at this what it says about, uh, about Moses when he went to the top of the mountain to get the copy of the tabernacle who served the copy and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was what divinely instructed or divinely warned by God when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said, See that you make all things." According to the pattern that I'm showing you. I know Moses, you have a degree in civil engineering from University of Egypt, Alexandria, maybe I don't know. You are mighty in word and deed, you have administration skills, you have uh, engineering skills, you are brilliant, you are a mathematician, etc, etc, etc. Don't use your own ideas. I'm going to give you the pattern and be careful exactly that you build built a tabernacle according to the pattern that I'm showing you. You know why? Who should stay in that tabernacle? I should come and stay. So how do we build, build a life? Christian life where God can come and stay. That's a place of warning. Isn't it interesting? We, we heard that. After Noah constructed the ark, God says, Come in, right? That means what? God is already there in the house. So what did uh, Noah construct? He constructed something where the presence of God ultimately came and stayed. So what do we do? We also construct something in our lives using the instruction of God, the, using the, 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 the teachings that we receive from the pulpit so that we will build a life where God can come and stay with us. That's the reason why he says, if you hear my words and obey them, me and my father will come to you and what will we do? We will also have a, we will suffer with you. That means we will deal with you. So what do we need? We need what? Instruction. What do we need? Instruction, teaching. You know, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, there's 17 times the word teaching is mentioned. Teaching, 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 taught, learn. Learn, taught, taught, learn, learn, taught in different, different contexts. And he says, if I do, if you do not, if you stop learning, you know what's going to happen? You will start learning something else, something which you're not supposed to learn. If you stop learning the things of God, you will start learning the things of the world. If you stop learning the things of the things of God, you will start learning the ways and the methodologies of the of the world. And you will say, you know what? Wonder what these people are. How come they became so successful without God? You will start learning those, those ways. If you stop learning the things of God, you will start learning the things of this world. And what will happen ultimately, you will be trapped in this age and you will no longer be a son of the resurrection. Okay. That is the reason why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we know this verse very well. Do not be conformed to what? Let's read this once again. Do not conform to the age, to this age, that's the word. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So first thing, he was a man of faith. Second thing, he was a man who was one. Third thing, his eyes are on the unseen. His eyes are on the unseen, meaning what? His eyes are on the eternal things and not temporary things. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we know this very well. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Why? For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Eternal. Not temporary. Temporary pleasures. Temporary uh, benefits. Shortcuts. No. We submit ourselves to the process that God has. God has for us. Second Corinthians chapter fourteen again, four verse sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being won. You see that? You know why? Because I look at things which are eternal, and I look at the person whom I'm going to stay with for all eternity. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Again, this is about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction. And I'll tell you something. Every time you want to choose the ways of God, you have to suffer affliction. You will suffer affliction. Than to enjoy the what? The passing pleasures of sin. Honestly. How much of our time is wasted on stupid things? Silly things. Silly. I mean, they may not be sinful, but they're silly. Absolutely, they'll steal our time. And the biggest danger is YouTube. No? Honestly, no, we have to fast from this for a while, and then you'll realize you don't you don't need it as much. This and this. And only be with the book. I told you, you no know, many times I told you this is not the Bible. This is not called Parishudagranam. You know what is called Parishudhagranam? Only this. Because in this you have along with the Bible, you have so many other silly things. And suddenly it'll pop. You'll get an alert. <laughs> okay, somebody has uploaded <laughs> something on YouTube. Alert. Finished, it's gone, over. You should actually do a track on how much time you waste while looking at silly things, you know, in a day and it'll surprise you, shock you. Four hours, I'm in my room, what are you doing? Three and a half hours watching YouTube, half an hour studying. But what do you say? Four hours here, I'm in my room. Eight hours in the office, what are you doing? Pleasure. silly things, silly things and sinful, sinful things, you know, not necessarily all things are sinful, but many things are silly, silly conversations, hmm? passing pleasures of sin, that is a, a sense of fornication, I told you, know. a sense of fornication is when you take away your eyes from eternal and focus on the temporal. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter twelve verse sixteen. This is what it's, this is what it's said about um, about uh, Esau. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like what Esau, who for one morsel of food and what was it food lentil soup. And you know what it is, right? In, in 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 India, it is sambar. And what what actually what is attractive about sambar is the uh, tadka. The car is the one which which causes the appetite. And he just smelled when he came home. And he said, "Bah!" And I think Jacob was a very cunning fellow. He made it. just He was looking outside and he was like, Oh, his brother is coming. Let me make something now. And suddenly the aroma hit him. Finished. Over. If you don't give it to me, I might die. What is the use of this birthright anymore? And you know what he says? He despised his birthright. And you know what Bible says? He calls him a what? A fornicator. He's not watching pornography, my dear brothers. He's a person who's looking at temporal pressures and not on eternal things. On the seen and not on the unseen. So first thing, he was a man of faith. Second thing, he was a man who was one. Third thing, his eyes were on the unseen. Fourth, he was a man who's moved by what? Godly fear. Moved with godly fear. A man who feared God. Ultimately the purpose of teaching is to, is to instill or rather is to develop the fear of God in our hearts. Because ultimately we have to answer one day. We have to answer and therefore Paul says, knowing the terror of God, what do we do? We persuade men. Teaching. Acts chapter 2. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this what? From this crooked, perverse, twisted generation. And you know what is twisted? Snake is twisted. Therefore, we know what John the Baptist calls him: "You brood of vipers! You are not a single viper; you are a brood, generation of vipers." Who has warned you to flee from the wrath of God? Bring forth fruit, meat of repentance. In keeping with repentance. So, if you are, so what does Paul say? Uh, Peter saying, "Get!" Saved from this twisted, snakish, viperous generation. If you've seen documentaries on snakes in National Geographic, yeah. they do a documentary on the most poisonous snakes. Vipers, King Cobra, and there is Black Mamba and uh, you know what they do they find out anti they get antivenom no and if you listen to the commentary and the and the background i mean whatever they're discussing about they say you know this particular uh, snake evolved over several million of years and it developed this venom you know in all the documentaries they will never say god created snakes and ultimately when they fell when adam fell they got the poison nobody says that they evolved. It's a defense mechanism, etc, etc, etc. And then what God is saying, this is a twisted generation full of snakes. Now you are no longer a snake. So you should not be among snakes come out of. So if you like to be in this world, what are you? How many of you, when you look at the snake, you say, wow, that looks beautiful. I mean, you, something in our system only just repulse. I mean, people in the National Geographic say, oh, this is a beautiful animal. I said, how can this be a beautiful animal? It's a beautiful animal. Look at the skin. I said, eh, it's yuck. Okay. If you are comfortable in the world, you are what, a, what, a, what are you among? You are among a crooked and a perverse generation. And a wicked and a purpose generation, what do they need? They need science. And you know what Paul Peter is saying? Get saved from this untoward. If you're truly born again, you do not you no longer want to be among snakes. If you eat what the pigs eat, if you stay where the pigs stay, if you have the attitude of a pig, then you are a ah, simple no. Alg- algorithm is very straightforward. And finally, one day, this man, this this is what we call as a prodigal son. He reaches what? The pig's pen. I don't know why they call it a pen. Hmm? Pig's pen, he finally reaches there. And he says, I am not a pig. He realizes that finally. How did I reach here? If you are among snakes and you are very uncomfortable, are very comfortable. With snakes, then you are a, I don't know. Either you are a charmer. Simple. Who charms. Nobody likes, no? I think it's in, it's inbuilt in us whenever we see reptiles. I thought uh, Tortoise was an amphibian, but I was proved wrong. Tortoise is a only reptile which I like is a tortoise. you don't know that tortoise is a, is, a, is a reptile right oh, you also was mistaken. I w- watched that movie you know over the hedge. He very very emphatically says, "I am not a reptile i'm am amphibian I'm am a reptile reptile is a reptile only reptile which I like because it moves very slow and it stays for donkey's ears there's this one tortoise in uh, in Nova uh, in zoological park you know how many, how how old it is one hundred and fifty five years old only. For all those years he stayed there only. He never creeped and crawled anywhere. So we like it. Every other reptile, ugh. crocodiles, nobody likes. And when you think about it, that is what, that unclean things, they are just creep. What is it? That means their God is their belly. They don't have the fear of God at all. It says the poison of asps is under their lips. And there is no fear of God in their eyes. And you know what God says? Be saved from this twisted, Perverse generation. You know what happens to them? Then those who gladly receive the word, I don't want to be among snakes. What did they do? That day about 3000 souls were added to the kingdom. And what did they do ultimately? And they continued steadfastly. We know this verses very well. Apostles, doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. And ultimately what happened? Then what? The fear of God came. They were Now they, they were growing in the fear of God. So the conclusion of the matter is what? In Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. The conclusion when everything has been heard is this. What is it? Fear God. Keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden. Whether it is good or bad. We have to give an account. So he was moved with fear. He was the original son of resurrection. He was of the class of Jesus himself. Look at what it says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. He who in the days of flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his what? Godly fear. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. He grew in the fear of the Lord. He grew in the fear of the Lord. And let us all grow in the fear of the Lord. One of the things you, you know the, the mark of spiritual maturity is this, when you have the fear of God. When there's a reverential awe for God. When you know you don't take the things of God lightly anymore. There's a seriousness, there's a sobriety whenever it comes to the things of God. Otherwise there's another fear. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. And that fear is overwhelming. We don't want to uh, be a people who will fear this world. That's the reason why it says the fear of man brings a snare. A fear of man brings a snare. He was moved by the fear of God and he learned it over a period of time. So first thing, he was a man of faith. That means he was a man who heard the voice of God. Second, he was a man who was warned. Third, yes, anybody? Anybody? We'll come back to the, to that later, okay? Yeah, let's read the next one. He prepared an ark. What was that? Prepare. And my emphasis on uh, is on this word. What is it? Everybody say? Prepared. Prepared. Okay, prepared. You know, I was in the in school for uh, twelve years, intermediate two years, B Tech four years. How many years already? 12 plus 4, 16 years. 2 years, masters. Okay. How many years? Uh, 12 plus 2, 14 years, oh, sorry, 16 years. 16 plus 2, 18, uh, 18 years. 18 years till masters now. Okay, this is for all education. Mm? 18 years and then PhD. N number of years. I don't want to mention the number of years. Okay. Let us say 7 years, 5 years. On an average, 7 years, 5 years. Let us say 5 years. So, 18 plus 5? 23 years. Out of 40 plus years. How many years in education? 23 years. How many of my subjects actually prepared me for relationships? Anybody? Any any uh, math subjects which prepared you for relationships? No. 2 plus 2, 4. Multiplication tables. If you do all these tables, one day you will be a very nice man in relationships. No, nobody told me that. Okay. Chemistry. They only talked about chemistry in uh, in the lab, and they said, "You couple have a good chemistry." That's all I heard. Yeah, and uh, physics, etc. Physics, chemistry, mathematics. In in engineering, we had so many so many courses. Apart from so many courses, we also had something called as humanities, just to put in there. You know, learn something about humans. You know, so many things you have learned about machines, something about humans also you learn. So one course in every semester on humanities. Out of 20, sorry, 30 years of learning in a university, how much of that learning has prepared me for life? To be a husband, I never learned. To be a father, no. To manage finances with all the mathematics, no. I know only how to spend, but nothing to save. The only division, I mean, only mathematical operation that keeps happening in my bank account is subtraction. Think about it, no? 30 years of your life. How much of it is preparation for life? Now think about it, no? How many of us parents? Abigail, you are to grow up to be a godly woman. One day you might become a wife of you, of a pastor. Then you will become a mother. This is how wives behave. This is how you have to learn to handle home affairs. This is how you have to learn to handle finances. This is how you, you tackle relationships. This is how you honor your elders. This is how you fear God. This is how you prepare for being a man or a woman of God. How much? I'm telling you, all my 30 years of my education, there was not one course, not one professor, not one teacher who taught me to be a man of God. To be a man, forget about God. To be a man. To be a father. To be a husband. How many of you are prepared to be husbands and wives? How many of you have prepared to be wives of pastors and husbands of who will be heading ministries? Honestly, he prepared an ark. You know what? There's a preparation that goes into everything, my dear brothers. And the fact of the matter is, we are not a prepared generation. Think about it, no? When I was going for IIT coaching in 1997, 1994, six whereabouts. I did not do this two years program. I went to the, uh, to the coaching center. and I said, uh, I want to write IDJ next year. He said, you're already late. People who want to go into IIT started when they were in fifth class, sorry, eighth class those days. Now they start from KG kindergarten and one and two, et cetera, right from uh, third, third uh, grade only. They will think about IIT and Olympiad and the physics Olympiad and mathematics Olympiad and not about life. And when you start, then you, you know what they will say: "You're already late." But you know, when I got married, nobody said, "You're late to know about being a man." You're, you're, it's too late for you to be a, to know what is what is to be a husband. It is too late for you to be uh, to know what is to be a wife. It is too late. So preparation. Manoa and uh, Madam Manoa were warned. You are going to have a son. He is going to be a Nazareth. This is what you are supposed, supposed to do. For yourself and for your, for your son. Prepare yourself. So that you will be ready to have the son. And did they do it? No. Think about it. now. 30 years to prepare for a 20 year career. How many years to prepare for an eternity? What is the equation, my dear brothers? Think about it. We are all sensible people. We are university educated. Don't you see the stupid mathematics that we are learning? The disproportionate things on the, on focusing, focusing on the things of this world, but never focusing on the things of the things of God, which matter in eternity. You know what? The Israelites were taught when you enter into the promised land so that you can live long in the land the Lord your God has promised you you know what you should do you should talk about these words the, the, the books, uh, the, the, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth you shall talk about it when you rise up when you are from the bed when you walk in the way when you sit in the house when you are sitting around the table talk and discuss and discuss and discuss what God so that you can be prepared for life And what do you know? not prepared because preparation involves a lot of suffering. A lot of giving up. And what happens ultimately? Because you do not prepare your children when they were young. What is going to happen? They will become reprobates. They do not know what is life. They do not know how to behave with opposite gender. They do not know how to handle finances. They do not know how to handle uh, relationships. Because they have not been taught. Simple. From the simple principles of the word of God. And the pressure is on who? Hey, Sunday school teacher. I am giving you for one hour in a day. In a week, sorry. huh? How many weeks? 24 by 7 law? One hour. Teach my children how to become a Christian and how to be a godly man or a godly woman. What God preparation. And that also you will not do because you have to send him for long-term coaching on Sunday to China. Chaitanayana, sorry. Not China. Understand this: What kind of a disproportionate thinking we have? Prepare. There's a famine which is coming. Yesterday, pastors teaching on when he was preaching to, uh, to the, in the, in the, during the wedding. What an he says, you know what? In the beginning, God. He, and he was t- commending those two young young people who got married. He says, two prepared young people who put God first in their lives. Who gets married these days? I don't know. Are they prepared individuals? I know the word that, that every time you know there's a tension. If this is a holy ordinance instituted by God when He was when He was in His innocence. This cannot be entered into lightly, but with the fear of God, reverently, discreetly. In you know other words, what? It is for mature adults. You have to be prepared. You think about it. No, the reflection is in our children. When you, see, when you see our children, there are a reflection of us. When you see the indiscipline in our children, when you see the godliness in our children, both. That is the reason why Isaac is a pattern son. Father, father, there is a wood, there is fire, where is the animal for burnt offering? God will himself provide my son. I you mean know what he does? He surrendered himself completely. And you know what happens? He becomes the pattern son of resurrection because he completely offers himself on the altar. He's prepared. And what is happening to Isaac when he he's he getting a, a bride for him? He's meditating, preparing himself for the next stage of his marriage, of his life. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? Can God entrust into her? Like Pastor was telling yesterday, he said, you know what? For 500 years, nobody was not even married. He had children when he, after he was 500 years old. Because he was prepared. Psalm 105. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed the provision of bread. Who's this? Who's this? God. He sent a man before before them. Okay? And what is he going to do to this man now? What is he going to do to this man? He's going to prepare him. Say that? Prepare. You see that? They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of God tested him, tried him and God put him through the school of suffering and hard knocks. Preparing him one day to be the man of God that he has to be. So ultimately what happens to him? Verse 20. The king sent to him, so the king sent and released him. The ruler of the people lent, let him go free. He made him lord of his house. What is he doing now? He's entrusting something precious. The life of the entire world is entrusted in the hands of a man who is prepared. The ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure. And to teach the elders wisdom. That is the reason why it says, look at the life of Joseph. Joseph, a prepared man. Prepared man. Look at what happens to him. One day, this is his testimony. Look, this is his testimony. Fired up. Genesis chapter 45, verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. To save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here. But who? God. And he has, what? What Made me a father? He made me a lord? He made me a ruler. Three things. Father, ruler, lord. But you know what? How how did I become a father? Because he prepared me. How did I become a ruler? Because he prepared me. How did I become a lord? Because he prepared me. Now I can know how to use the authority not to destroy people, but to protect them, to save them. Are we prepared? Otherwise we will become people having authority. You know what it says about Joshua in Numbers chapter 27? He says, God gave him a portion of the authority in Moses' hands. A portion. And what was he? Was he faithful? Absolutely. And you know what he says? Joshua, when you're supposed to go and fight the Amalekites, what does he tell Joshua? The very first thing he tells Joshua, choose men, Joshua. Joshua choose men that's remarkable in in other words a man who's supposed to be in the ministry is a man who studied other men and he knows who's prepared and who's not prepared choose men Joshua we are not prepared but we want authority we are not prepared but we want positions we are not prepared but we want to become fathers and mothers we want to be prepared we are not prepared but we want to get married are you prepared? choose men understand that are we prepared look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when I was a child I spoke like a child that's what pastor says right many of the marriages are what marriages child marriages they are not prepared they are not prepared I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, what could I do? I should put away childish things. You know what? Now I'm prepared now. Don't waste time on silly little stupid things which will draw away your time and, and, and you lose out on the things of God. Are we prepared? Are we prepared for ministry? <laughs> Are you prepared to be a wife of, of a pastor? Do you think it is a light thing to be a wife of a pastor? If God were to call you, you're going to be a wife of a pastor. You think that kind of a life is going to be easy? What it's going to demand of you? You're not prepared. You know, that's, therefore you should not be upset when we are not given, entrusted with responsibilities because we are not prepared. It will destroy us. Oh, what about the people in the world? They're having a gala time. Forget about the world. We are not even comparing ourselves. They are a people of this age. You're a people of that age, right? You're the sons of resurrection, right? Are you prepared? Ultimately, God is going to entrust us, entrust into our hands, cities. That's what he, st- he tells the Corinthian church. What are you doing, you guys? You're taking brother to court and fighting over property. Give that property to that fellow. Don't you know you're going to judge angels? What? Where are you going? On temporal things? Lord, ask my, my brother to, to divide the property and, uh, and not be partial with me. Man, who made me an arbiter in this relationship? A man's things will not consist, I mean, man's whatever, possessions does not consist, in the abundance of possessions that he has. The value of a man. You know what it does, Joshua? Pre- choose men. I love that. Choose men, Joshua. In other words, he has to be a man who studied men, who knows who are prepared, whom he can entrust into, entrust into his hand, who will not cut and run when the battle is strong. Because, because it says in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25, when Moses' hand was lowered, you know what it says? Amalekites overcame Joshua. Joshua overcame Amalekites when the the hands of Moses was up. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, it says the the people and the weak people were slaughtered by the Amalekites when the hands of Moses came down. The slaughter. And will we have Joshua's in this generation who will not cut and run, who who are men of integrity, who are men of character, who have been bought, who cannot be bought, who are sold out to God. And who know people who are sold out to God. Prepare. Look at what it says about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. But a what? A body you prepared. This body, prepare. Don't give it too much of comfort. It loves to be pampered. Fast and follow. He, that's what he says you know what he says First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 Perfect. he says you know what I beat my body and bring it to subjection otherwise having preached to others I myself should not be disqualified you know it doesn't end there next comes First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 what is it I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, that all our forefathers, all our forefathers, they also put their trust in the Passover lamb. They also got baptized into Moses. They also got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They also ate the food that is manna. They also drank the spiritual milk, uh, spiritual drink. But with most of them, God was not pleased. You know why? Because their faith was weak. They were absolutely people who were given to idolatry. There was, they were murmuring, they were complaining because they did not have prepared bodies. They were given over to pleasure. Addictions. Why are you not able to hear the voice of God? Why does it not stir you? Because you are given to addictions, my dear brothers. And by the way, it says, those people... They also are a type of a believer who went through death, burial and what? Resurrection. But they were not people of the resurrection, unfortunately. Because they did not inherit the promised land. Are you prepared? 35 years of our life. 50 years of our life. For the world. Last. After all the juice has been taken out. You see the sugar can juice, no? That fellow will put through that, uh, to the machine once, twice, thrice, all the juices out. Then you'll take that small, that is, that is, the, 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 the dregs of your life and give it to God. God bless it now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless it and use it for your glory. Do it your governor, Jesus says. Takes all the juice out. What is left now? Nothing. What have, you? what have you? You have become an old man. Grinders are few. Your eyes are dim. And you say, the silver lining, lining is gone. You've become a complete pessimist from being the wisest man who ever lived on planet earth. Prepared. So, the preparations that we're going through. One of the prayers that pastor keeps praying on when I went on the first time mean when the year was ending in 2021 I asked him to pray for me. and He was praying, Lord prepare this man, prepare, prepare. So many other things he said, I don't want to mention. But prepare. Prepare. Are you prepared? And what did he do? He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. They trusted him. And what he did to Shem, Ham and Japheth? Who built the ark together with him? Shem, Shem, Ham, Japheth, work. Work. Get the wood. Get the nails. Get the hammer. Don't be lazy bones. he did this. The sixth one. He condemned the world. He what? Condemned the world. You live this kind of a life, my dear brothers. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be the aroma of death to people who are being who are perishing. I'm not saying that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are, are to God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death. Leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. But who is sufficient for these things? Let me tell you something. Noah was sufficient for these things. He was. Because he prepared himself. Because he never peddled the word of God. He never compromised the word of God. He preached the same message. I'm telling you my dear brothers and sisters. Right from the time. If you want to be a person. Who is going to escape the judgment. You should listen to the preaching of the word of God. It is through the foolishness of preaching. Right from the beginning. It is the preaching of the word of God. Which saved people. Not ideas and and, and talks and lectures. No, 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 no. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people. What is he called? A preacher of righteousness. And he never peddled the word of God. Just bring in the crowd inside. No way. This is it. I'm not going to compromise. And if you're prepared, and you preach uncompromisingly, and you live a life, and you finish the course, you know what's going to happen to you? You become a an heir. What do you become? An heir. What does it mean to become an heir now? You have come of age. God can entrust into your hands the kingdom. It is, my dear brothers, it is, it is the will of God. It says, my dear little flock, it is the desire of God to give you the kingdom. But fornicators, adulterers, effeminate, covetous will not Inherit the kingdom of God. You may be saved, but you will not inherit. In the last moment you would have said, Lord, Lord, forgive my sins. You would come through the fire, but you will not inherit anything. It is the person who overcomes all things who will inherit all things. That's the principle in the Bible. Galatians chapter 4. Now what I mean when I talk about children and their guardians is this, as long as the heir is a child, is that prepared. You can be a 24-year-old child, a, ch- a man, but a child in as far as how to be a husband or a father. You know something? People get promotions after promotions in their offices, but God, can you be a promotion from a good daddy to a better daddy this year? No. Sorry. You fail. He does not differ from a slave. Why? Even though he is the, what is that? Future owner, <laughs> not the owner, future owner and the master of all the estate. But he is under the authority of guardians and house household administrators or managers until the date set by his father when he is of legal age. This legal age, only God knows. So also when we, whether Jews or Greeks or Gentiles, when we were children, spiritually immature, were kept like slaves under the elementary, man-made, religious or philosophical teachings of this world which will not prepare you for the, for the, for the life to come. Absolutely not. All of this age. But we are not sons of this age, my dear brothers. We are the sons of the resurrection. Yesterday I loved what Pastor said. When did Munova enter into the ark? Seven days earlier. What a That means he was prepared. Not like many of our one-day batting students. Even when they're going to the examination hall, also they will be studying. Oh boy, come. Examinational. They'll be studying in their, in their, with, their, with their father on the bike also. Question bang. It's all, what are they studying? All in one. What? You got your B-Tech degrees, you're doing all in one. I know. Many of you b You're fraudsters basically. masquerading as engineers. If I give you one circuit, it's gone. Sammy is a better engineer than you. I wish he was in my lab. I would have done wonders. Hmm? But I'm no longer in the lab. <laughs> I understand this. Understand this. Prepared. Galatians chapter 5. He came of age. Now he became an heir. Why? Because he's spiritually mature. He is mature in the wisdom of God. Let me tell you something. Like Pastor said yesterday, people in the world are smart, they are not wise. This wisdom is not of this age, it is of the age to come. If you want the wisdom of God, you should escape this age. Let me show you to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yet we do not we do speak wisdom among the spiritually mature. Believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. I love that. (laughs) You see, who are people who are spiritually mature? I don't know anything. Pastor, please teach me. And they also have understanding. Meaning, when pastor is teaching, I can apply this here. I apply this here. I can apply this here. They know also the application of the concept. That is what I am talking about. They learn from everybody. Irrespective of the age. Young people, older people, Gray haired people. Children. What do they have? They have what is that? Peaceable hearts. Okay, so but it is a higher wisdom. Not the wisdom of this present age Baba. This is not of this age. Nor of the rulers and the leaders of this age who are passing away. The world and its lusts are passing away. He who does the will of God abides forever. Hmm? But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God predestined before the ages for our glory. How do we get that? How do we get that? Let me tell you something. When we understand The cross is only after the cross you have the resurrection. Otherwise, you are not spiritually mature. You are still a child. Therefore, he says in 1st Corinthians chapter 3, However, brothers and sisters, I could not talk to you as spiritual people, but as to worldly people, dominated by human nature. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Mere infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not of solid food, for you're not able to receive it, even now you 're still not what what does that mean you 're not prepared so but you know what happened to some to to, to to Noah after he finished everything Noah looks at so God looks at Noah. Come in Noah, because I have found you a man absolutely righteous and blameless in your generations. Enter into the ark and become a son of resurrection. Seven attributes of the sons of resurrection. What are they? By faith, meaning what? These are the people who hear. The people who stay warned. Many people are being warned and continuously being warning, being warned by God. Do not take the warnings of God lightly, especially during this hour. Do not take the warnings of God lightly. If you're being warned as a wife or a mother or a child or a child or a young man or a young woman or a child, do not Take the warnings of God lightly because they are for your protection. Do not remove the ancient landmarks the people of God have put for you. Don't compromise. Stay warned. That's the reason why Paul says, I warn every man so that I can present him perfect before Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 if you want to look at that verse. One and by faith Noah won by God, he saw the unseen, he was moved with godly fear, he prepared an ark, he condemned the world, and then he became an heir. And therefore he was the son of resurrection. Am I? Is the question. I'm going to leave you with that thought. Am I the son of resurrection? But thank God, thank God you can always come back to him. No, As long as you are in this life, you can always come back to God. It is the compassions of God that we are not destroyed. God is giving us warnings after warnings. You know why? Because He loves us. He loves us. He says, you know what? I want you to people who will be partakers of that resurrection. And I love you. I chasten you. I rebuke you. I admonish you because I want you to be partakers of holiness so that I can be with you for all eternity. So that one day that Tabernacle, the dwelling place of God will be with men. That is exactly what God said when he went to the mountain. He said, you know what Moses, I want to come and reside with you, but build the tabernacle according to the instructions that I have given you. So that I can come with you and dwell with you so that we can have a fantastic time together all eternity. That is hope. Shall we all stand? Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you, Lord. We want to have the assurance every day when we listen to the word, listen to the teaching. We want to be people who are assured of this one thing. That we are children of of the resurrection. Thank God, Lord, it is not because of our works. You do not ask us to live these high standards and then you say that we are saved. No, 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 no. You save us first. You clothe us with the righteousness of Jesus. You grant us new births. You receive us according to your mercies as your children. And then you prepare us. You empower us. You fill us with your Holy Spirit. And even as we receive your word by faith. This morning I pray Lord. You would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And prepare us. To be sons of resurrection. We heard it last Sunday. and I pray Father. Just like Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead. All of us will, Father, take to heart the teachings that we hear over the weeks and prepare ourselves to be the children of the resurrection. Thank you, Father. Commit all of us into your hands. Continue to, Lord, Father, warn us, teach us, Father, prepare us for the days ahead. That we will not be caught by surprise, whatever it be to, Lord Jesus. Persecution, suffering or rapture, Father, we will be prepared. That we'll be a prepared people. Not like the foolish virgins who had no anointing. But like the wise virgins who saw the evil. They foresaw the evil. And they hid themselves under the anointing. And as grace to that we pray. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.